So thank you all. I hope you guys are doing well and great. Thank y'all for listening again to and tuning in to the All About Relationships podcast. It is an honor that you are on with us. We are grateful that you have chosen this particular podcast to listen to. It's going to be a fire podcast episode today. We have some great speakers. Our topic on today is community trauma um, from the lens of revolutionaries and um, as we get started with the podcast episode I want to kind of inform everyone um, that this topic hit a lot of nerves and, and individuals can have different views about what's being said and this is not for anyone to take thoughts personally right you don't have to agree with everything that is said but we are asking that you respect it and have an open ear to what individuals have experienced, what individuals have lived, um, and the fight that many individuals are fighting every day on your behalf. And you may not even know it. You know what I mean? So definitely have a listening ear. I'm going to go ahead and do some introductions on today. We have, of course, our seasoned uh, all about relationships podcast member Alicia Benjamin Peoples. How you doing, Alicia? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I am doing great. I'm super excited about today. Super excited. Um, and I'm going to introduce too. three phenomenal, phenomenal speakers um, that have experience and not just experience, but passion when it comes down to serving uh, the African-American community. And we will start with our first male speaker that we've ever had on the All About <laughs> Relationships podcast, Mr. Amar X. What's good, Amar? What's up? How you doing? How you doing? I'm doing well, doing <laughs> well. Let me read a little bit about um, Amar. He is from Southeast out there in D.C., he is an activist, an organizer, as well as a rapper. He is one of the most influential voices of the movement. Mm -hmm. He does mutual aid, consistently being on the front lines. He literally uses his voice um, in music in order to educate and convey messages mm -hmm. of black power, liberation, and abolition. Um, he has been fighting the fight and spreading awareness for over 10 years. That's what's up. He is a pillar in the community outside of direct activism. He is a caseworker and a therapist. He can, um, he can easily say, and we can easily say that he is the man and a man of the people. So we have Amar X. Next, we have Sakithia Peebles. How are you doing? Hi. Yes. I'm great. How are you? I am doing well, doing well. A fellow Brooklynite was good with you. Um, <laughs> for sure. So Sakithia, she defines herself as a natural nurturer. She is a mother of a three-year-old. She worked within the social human services field and has done so for over 10 years. And she has a lot of lived experience when it comes down to actually being out on the street and living things and seeing things and overcoming things. So she definitely plays and will play a huge role in our discussion and dialogue today. And then we have Anaya Vines, who is near and dear 
to me. <laughs> um, she's a junior of Howard University. How you doing? What's good, y'all? What's good? What's good? She is a resident of North Carolina by way of Brooklyn. Her passion for social justice became action um, when her family experienced the senseless murder of her cousin, Delron Smalls. Um, she currently serves as a Howard University NAACP president, continues to volunteer and mentor uh, when it comes down to juvenile diversion programs here in Charlotte, North Carolina. She is definitely a woman of and for the people, got nonprofits and all that good stuff. <laughs> all right, mm -hmm. all right, that's what's up. So let's go ahead and dive in, you guys. Let's go ahead and dive in. So again, today's topic, community trauma from the lens of revolutionaries. So if, if I was to ask, and I think I'm going to go ahead and um, start with you, Amar. If I was to ask your definition of community trauma, like from your perspective, from your experience, from what you have seen, how would you define community trauma? At first, you got to understand what trauma is before you get into the community. And trauma is basically an emotional response, like from an event or like harmful situations that could be life-threatening. And that plays, that plays a part on your mental, your emotional, and well-being. In my community, trauma presents itself in many ways, even starting from childhood. Like you got abuse, you got household challenges, you got neglect. And even in like the educational setting, like all these, all these combined with each other creates, and not being addressed, it creates PTSD, which enhances your trauma. So it's like none of the underlying factors, even if you don't unpack none of that, you carry all of that into adulthood. So uh, okay. coming into young adulthood and holding on to the trauma, it's kind of hard for you to feel safe in your own environment. Like people being hurt so much, it's hard to find trust, uh, transparency, and it's hard to feel safe. Mm -hmm. Like as black people, like our cultural, our historical, all those issues, like stemming from even slavery, colorism, gentrification, to like over-policing and the brutality and murders contribute to uh, our trauma. For sure, like, for sure. Like in the hood, like I said, they don't want therapy and they moving. They didn't think so much, they didn't been through so much, they numb to all the shit that they think. So they moving numb to it like nothing's happening and they just holding on to trauma and don't even know yeah, that they yeah. have trauma. That's where it stems from in the community. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. And I think that it's important. And um, Sakithi, I would love for you to add. And then Naya definitely ask um, Alicia, please add as well. But I think that it's really, really important to understand the idea, the concept and the truth of historical trauma, racial trauma, intergenerational trauma. Those are real things, and it impacts so many different aspects of the community. Sakithia, would you like to add, what is your definition of community trauma, like from your perspective? Community trauma to me is a collective, collective trauma. Um, in most cases, it's unconscious. Being Black in America, in, the, in our community, when the police, when you see the flashing lights, and you're behind the wheel, and you clinch up. We all feel that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a it, that's a collective that's a collective trauma that we all have. The educational system, just the infrastructure, period, in our community is set up for us to fail. Mm -hmm. Poverty, symbolism, even um, just in the neighborhood when you walk in 
to a Chinese restaurant and they have the plexiglass sitting up in <laughs> sitting up mm. um in the restaurant, but they're waiting for you to collect your money. That's traumatizing. What does that put into your head about your people? Because you, that's in your community. So to me, it's a co- it's community trauma is more of, is a collective trauma that mm-hmm. we all feel and that is mostly unconscious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's, that's what's it. up. Um, and Anaya, I, I would like for you and and I want the listeners to understand the reason why this is so important to understand now. Mm-hmm. You know, in in our society now, and this is, has has been something and a conversation that has been going on for years. But why do you feel um, this particular topic is? imperative to process through now from your perspective um I personally feel like you know we're we're generations late at the end of the day when it comes to trauma in our community that's our default state like since we were brought from the transatlantic slave trade we have not had time to heal as a community because we've never actually looked at trauma as a thing worth talking about and something worth processing. Like imagine being taken away from your home, being on a boat for months on end, not knowing who who captured you, who you're around, where you're going, and coming sh- straight to a, a, a foreign land and going to work. And since then, we have continuously been slaving and working and been um, unrepresented. And we've never had a point in time where we have been given the opportunity to heal. So I feel like it's like, you know, if we don't do it now, then when are we going to do it? I think that this is a conversation that needs to happen. It should have happened a long time ago. We just never had the means nor the opportunity to do it because we're still fighting to live. So now, you know, we're trying to figure out, okay, once we get the right and the freedom to live, how do we figure out how to live in a society that's built against us efficiently? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even from the lens of a social worker, you know, I think that is really important for, for individuals in the field to, to gain knowledge and understanding and a deeper insight from individuals who um, not that's not just educated about the topic, but is fighting for the topic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm wondering if individuals wonder why we we titled this podcast "Community Trauma from the Lens of Revolutionary." So, what is a revolutionary? You know, and and that that even term, y'all could talk, talk back to me. It's like that term could be frightening to some people. Mm-hmm. It's like revolution. What does that mean? You know what I'm saying? Um, so revolutionary, a person who fearlessly advocates radical change, um, upsets the natural order of things, mm-hmm. um, causes just dramatic change and advocacy with putting yourself on the line. Mm-hmm. Everybody's not built to do this work. Sure you know, up. everybody's not built to do this work. Sure um, so Alicia, would you like to add anything about the community trauma and just your thoughts about the individuals on the line and the idea of being and them being revolutionaries? And why is it, it why is it important for us to have revolutionaries? 
when um, the the topic comes up for community trauma, I genuinely feel that it is isolated. It is isolated in the sense that the underprivileged, the minority communities, um, the low income, below income, these are the communities that are experiencing the trauma. And it is very difficult because they're also undereducated they have a lack of resources. So it's very difficult for the community that is experiencing this trauma to express this to those who can actually change, mm-hmm. right? So when we have this trauma happening in our communities, it takes the few that do have that education that have left the community mm-hmm. because they're getting this education outside of the community and they have to come back. They have to come back to the community that they know that is experiencing the trauma to help. Mm -hmm. So the only way that there can be effective healing is to bring in the resources so that Mm -hmm. the underprivileged can have the tools to navigate through healing through their traumatic experiences, whether it's just watching something on the news or living next door to a victim, you know, it there is something called secondhand trauma mm-hmm. and when we are in these communities that are considered commun- that are experiencing commu- commu- community trauma excuse me most of it is secondhand most of it is oh my cousin went through this my uncle went through this my neighbor went through this oh yes i went through it mm-hmm. it's rare that the revolutionaries are the ones that have the direct experience of the trauma. They have the empathy to understand that if I don't do something, who will? Yeah. Because I know my people. Because I know my people don't have the resources. I think that it's important, you know, um, from a therapeutic perspective to to understand that the idea of post-traumatic stress, um, PTSD, you don't have to experience it to be diagnosed with it. It, it it can be that secondary trauma, you know, um, because that impacts. You still have those same symptoms, even as if you lived it, mm-hmm. you know. So it's hearing sirens every day, right? Although you never were in a cop car, hearing it and then seeing what what we see often on TV and the media, and that's another topic, but seeing that repeatedly, right, it does something to a person internally, you know, so um, you can still have this. And I think that it's really important for, for the listeners to understand you don't have to experience it directly, as Alicia said, to be diagnosed with it or know that this is something that you, that, that is impacting the way in which you think, the way in which you live, the decisions that you make, your avoidance on situations, your fear, your internal anger on situations, you know, for sure. Um, I want to, I want to kind of look at the idea of being a revolutionary. Um, And Amar, you can kind of chime in. When it comes down to it as, as being a, a black man, right, on the front lines, also in the human services field, um, working with individuals, not just on the front lines, but as far as their mental health is concerned. 
So why do you consider yourself a revolutionary for one? But then also, um, how does that impact you as a black man? Um, touching on if I consider myself a, revol- a revolutionary, I do because you already gave us the definition of what a revolution is. And a revolutionary is someone in that in that area that has a, like a sudden and major impact on a society and trying to uh, make a political impact because we feel oppressed and uh, due to political incompetence. Um, as a caseworker and a therapist, the demographic I work with is mostly like the black youth. And a lot of those black youth are at the alternative schools, which everybody be like, that's where all the bad kids go, but they not bad, they misunderstood. Because mm-hmm. in a lot, of, a lot of schools, you have um, a lot of white people who have the credentials and the degrees that say they're able to work with a, a certain type of person, a certain demographic of people, but you don't understand them. You coming in, you don't understand their trauma, you're not taking the time to understand their trauma, mm-hmm. but you quick to diagnose them with ADHD and um, whatever else you want to diagnose them with, but you don't understand why they act like this. You don't you don't take the time to look into their background as a counselor, which is uh, your job. As a black man in this type of community, like I didn't seen it all firsthand. I didn't seen like my closest friends, they didn't struggle with losing somebody to like street violence. I didn't seen my neighbor, that was probably one of my best friend's father. I seen him get shot by the police for literally doing nothing, enjoying himself the way that he wanted to enjoy himself on his lawn. It's, and then it also holds a lot of trauma in there. Like, it's not impossible, but it's, it's very difficult to have that solid that solid foundation with a broken family. Mm-hmm. And in, the, in our community, it's a lot of broken families, and people don't address that. Like, black children, especially boys, they lose their dad because of street violence, the prison system or they father just they not around and it causes like a self-esteem issue within the child like am I not good enough am I the reason why dad ain't here no more and who who's actually going to unpack that with them because yeah. it, put, it, it puts a lot of burden on the mother not having a child but doing the extra because it's unnatural to not have a two-parent household not even a household but just having two parents to actually raise raise that child yeah, no more. Um, really quickly, Anai, do you yeah, want to add anything as it relates to that? You know, um, just being a revolutionary, like why would you consider yourself a revolutionary? And I know that you work a whole lot in the community and see and interact with young black men as well as older mm-hmm. men from from generations before you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, I I feel as though being in the revolutionary space, yes, I do identify as a revolutionary. Um, and I would say I'm a revolutionary because my, my natural state is to first, you know, go into the community, go into parts where a, a lot of people try to stay out of. Um, and... With that being said, making sure I grow relationships with with um, the individuals there. My I, I say my family, my extended family, my mm. community, my village. Um, because at the end of the day, even if I'm not personally going through it, being that anyone who looks like me is going through it, that I'm going to take it on as if it's me in their mm. shoes at the end of the day. So um, 
going into the communities and interacting um, with my people, my, my, my mindset on, um, in my space, I feel with being a revolutionary is, um, through education. And I feel as though, um, there's a lot that still needs to be unpacked when it, when it relates to teaching individuals about what trauma is period. Um, because there's a lot of things that we, we might not realize it, but there is a lot of privilege and, um, even with being black, and not in like for from our Amar understands um, like southeast and northeast mm-hmm. because due to gentrification a lot of the black and brown community have been pushed out on, um, across Anacostia River and towards five seven and eight and mm-hmm. with that being said you know I'm, I'm able to go to Howard I'm able to have an African American studies course I'm able to have a corrections course I'm able to have you know a Pan Africanism course yeah. but you're not going to see a lot of the curriculum you're not going to see a lot of black people in the curriculum. You're not going to see kids reading about themselves and their ancestors. You're going to see a lot of, of whitewash curriculum. And so uh, interacting with younger, but also older people, older than me, um, when I was doing mutual aid work, I ran into a cat um, in Woodland, and um, it was during Christmas time. And I was passing out gifts to the kids, and he was like, you know, do you have, um, do you have a job in that bag? And, you know, I'm like, well, there's so many problems, you know, there's so many things and so many ways that we have to give back to the community. And he also was like, you know, we're having a, I'm having dialogue and um, the topic came up of civil rights. And he was like, what's civil rights? Mm. Imagine like you think mm. that you, that everyone on default is going to know what that is. But there's a lot of our people who don't. And I feel like as a revolutionary, it's my responsibility to help with that. This was this is a lot. This is a lot, and there's so much that was just said. Sakiti, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you in a second for, for you to add. Um, but just taking the, the, the dialogue and the insight from Amar and from Anaya, um, I think that it's important for listeners to understand the idea of being misdiagnosed. And I'm, I'm going back to what Amar said about diagnosing. Mm-hmm. Um, ADHD, for example, and trauma symptoms mimic each other very closely. So if you don't understand the history of what a person is going through, you could easily misdiagnose a child or an adult. So I think that that's important. And then, you know, oftentimes tell others and I tell individuals that behavior is a communication of something else. The question is not the behavior, but is what is that behavior trying to communicate and tell me? Right. So, um, whatever is going on within certain communities, in opposed to looking at the, um, the righteous anger, which I feel so many of us in the community have a right to be angry, but it comes down to how they're being treated. But it's like looking at the anger or looking at the reason behind it, you know? Um, and relationship building. I think Anaya hit it on the head, yo, when it comes down to Building relationships, it is so important. And we're going to talk about mutual aid because I know, Amar, you're big on mutual aid. And I, you're big on mutual aid. Um, But that idea of giving back and building relationships within the community, letting individuals know that we have not forgotten about you, bringing it back to where it is needed as it relates to education. And I think trauma is, is important to understand and really be considered 
um, people, it's not bad to go to treatment and therapy. I'm telling you, it ain't, it's, you, you know, you got to find the right one for you, but don't be afraid of it. You know, um, individuals will go through their life and know that they are feeling a certain way, but they cannot pinpoint it. They feel like they're just angry for no reason or, you know, they have these symptoms or they have these feelings, but they can't really pinpoint the reason why. They don't even know that they're experiencing trauma, you know, and that there's a treatment for that. There's treatment that's specific for that. So, Keithy, what are your thoughts about, about um, the, the idea of, of being a revolutionary and just piggybacking off of what Amar and um, Anaya has already mentioned? So, it, uh, as I'm listening, I am a little reluctant to say, yes, I am a revolutionary only because I have such a high standard when I think about Fred Hampton, when I think about uh, Malcolm, when I think about Huey, Bobby Still. So for me, I was, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I, I could never. But then as, as you guys are continuing the conversation and I know the exact um, definition, fearless advocacy, um, challenging the status quo. And I'm like, you know what? I think I am because in, in, in small ways in my life, I've always challenged the status quo. I never went with what was told to me starting um, from education, being in school and knowing that they weren't telling me everything about who I am. Um, going to what Anaya was saying about sitting in classes and seeing that there's more white students in the class learning about history, our history, even though it's whitewashed, more so than African-American students or black students. And even just listening to some great speakers recently saying that those are elective, those are not required courses, even in HBCU, that's a little disheartening to me. How are we supposed to move forward if we don't even know who we are? Mm. Um, that we're revolutionary by default. Mm. So I had a little trouble with that term at first, but listening yeah. to everybody speak, yeah, it just opened it up a little bit. For me. So, so what from, um, from your lived experience, Akita? You know, like I know that you've experienced so much in your life. So, from your lived mm -hmm. experience with um, with being a part of this community, from, from, from our community, but being a part of the community, like from your experience, what, what, have you, what have you seen that has impacted you the most when it comes down to just looking and seeing the trauma and how it has impacted our community? For me, the first thing that jumps out to me is just my teenage years and my lifestyle. Um, um, being in a gang and I'm not going to say which gang but being a gang member and first of all joining the gang thinking that this is a way of advocacy because they tell you uh, that this gang the acronym of the gang actually says we're here for the people right so the history of the gangs are we protect our neighborhoods we gonna, we're going to make sure that the kids are safe. We're going to make sure that the, the old lady walking down the street with her, her, her plastic bag, that we're going to help her and we help each other. And then 
realizing that that wasn't true. So the trauma came in where I would see our people robbing each other. I've um, seen murders happen right in front of me. Women being taken advantage of. So for me, the trauma also is mistrust. And it's rightly so because we were, not me personally, because I, I had both of my parents, but a lot of the community, like Omar said, they're not coming from two family homes. And then there's little to no supervision. And that gives way to someone else to come in and influence you and, and steer you down the wrong path. So the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And what I mean by that is when the government did what it did what they did to the Black Panther Party, they literally left communities with no leaders. Mm. So they what they did was they pulled the leaders out of the communities because they were afraid of we we all know the rise of a black messiah and they left the communities pretty much desolate. So what happened was these these sections of gangs started appearing and for the most part in the beginning they had structure but people started getting arrested they started seeing what impact these gangs had on the community positive impact that the gangs had on the community mm-hmm. and they started arresting intentionally right again yeah intentionally and and what i want to make sure that i mention and stop here we we have to really redefine some of these terms because there's so many negative thoughts like when when you hear gang you automatically think in your mind violence, violence. Mm-hmm. and that is not historically what it you know the 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 idea behind the foundation it, of the gangs. foundation of it and it's so really and you know it's really important for the listeners to understand just because something is defined in a certain way because society has defined it that way it is so important for you to become educated to know exactly where is the foundation what is the foundation right um, so yeah, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that, Sakithia. So anything else? No, I just wanted to say that by the time it trickled down to when I when I was a part of it, I was kind of bamboozled because I found myself doing things that were not what I thought this organization was about. See, I thought that we were going to do some positive things, protect people, and the gang that I was affiliated with, it wasn't popular at the time to be with this group of people. So it, it was like a rebellious thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I've seen a lot. And I think that when we talk about um, the, the men missing from the community, the masculine energy missing from the community, that's when you get to the teenagers. That's when you can tap into influencing teenagers and steering them to do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You have drugs coming into the community at this time, so that was popular. That was popular, and also being the drug dealer was popular because now it's like instead of educating one another, it's all about who has money, who has the bag, who looks the shiniest, mm-hmm. you know. So, and and that's real. And I think, and this is going to be a continuation for my listeners. It's going to be a continuation because I think that it's important to also know that there there is a reason why certain communities um, feel like, you know what, I never have nothing. 
Nothing is given to me easy. Even when I try, it's taken from me. So I feel like this is the best way for me to provide. This is the best way for me to increase my self-esteem. This is the best way for me to understand that I have some kind of worth. Um, And again, you don't have to agree with everything that is being said, but you have to respect it and see different points of view. You dig? I think that, um, I think even talking about gangs within itself and the history of it is another, is another episode. So be listening out for that for sure. Um, so listeners, this is going to be a part one and a part two. Um, it's, it's a couple of more things. Can I, I say want- something real quick? You sure can. For the listeners, don't count out those gang members because they are revolutionaries. Yes. In those very gangs. Mm. They're your leaders. Those are your foot soldiers. It's just a, how do you communicate to them? How do you reach out to them? Like you said, let's not let's not broad paint them with a broad stroke just because of the word gang. Right. I just wanted to make sure we just understand they're revolutionaries too. Yeah, it's like it's, it's sometimes you have to redefine, and we're going to talk about just the redefinition of words that we are given within our community. That can only come with education, though. You know, yeah, and it, but you have to be able to redefine terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so a couple of more things. Um, Alicia, and it's something that we can, we can kind of spend some time on, and the trauma of mothers that are raising black young boys. Black men, right. young men. I ain't going to lie to you. You know, I have a 15-year-old, and I, I am, you know, depending, I, I ask questions. I'm going to be honest. I don't even want dude to drive. Like, I'm praying. I'm praying he never asked me for his license because that's another, another trauma. And even being a mom that has a daughter that is on the front lines, the trauma associated with that. Oh, my gosh. But, Alicia, what, what is your view, and, and what does that feel like for you as a mom? As a mom, um, you know, it is, it is very difficult to fully understand what it is to be a black man in America. It is, it is impossible for us to understand. So what we carry is the fear of what could happen. Because of the stories that we hear, you know, what the media shows us on the news. Um, And, you know, it's very difficult to make it relatable to a 15-year-old that doesn't see his likeness on the screen. You know, they show the black man that's being pulled over that's always in trouble as brown skin. You know, as looking a certain way, living in a certain neighborhood, talking a certain way, dressing a certain way. And, you know, a lot of it is educating our children that you don't have to look intimidating. You don't have to be an intimidation in that moment. Just because you are a black man, you will come across these indifferences. You will come across these battles. And it's difficult as a mom to instill that in their son. It is very difficult because, you know, us moms, we have that mama mama bear mentality. Like we're overprotective. You know, like, you know, Shantae said, just the thought of driving, just the thought of driving Mm. is nerve wracking. I don't want them. I don't want them to drive. Just the thought. and, And I mean, I live in, I live in a city. 
Just the thought of walking to the corner store after dark is nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. I grew up, I walked the streets all, all types of nights. You know, I was fearless. You know, we, we had a different upbringing. Everyone knew our parents, every corner we hit. Yeah. You know, every house we, we passed, everyone knew our parents. Everyone looked out for us. You know, now I barely see my neighbors. Mm-hmm. It has changed to where my kid is your kid. That has changed. I commend, you know, when I see authors writing books that tell their truth. I commend when I see movies that, you know, express our situations and our scenarios because that's another tool that I can present to my son and say, hey, let's watch this. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this because this was another situation that there was no sign of intimidation. There was another situation where this young male looked just like you mm-hmm. and is no longer here. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, just reminding him and showing him that I don't want you to be afraid, but I want your lens to be so wide that you're aware of how you need to carry yourself, that you're aware that automatically you're judged. There are a lot of moms that are single moms that does not, and it does not mean that they're, they're, uh, their husbands or the individuals that are the, 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 the fathers to their children are deadbeats. doesn't necessarily mean that, that they're not present. There are so many individuals that are locked up and they don't need to be locked up. You know what I mean? Like they are, they are still, you know, in, so I'm saying that to say, you know, my single moms out there, I know that some of us and some of you guys are doing it alone, but we do understand that you probably do have some folks that's behind you that is supporting you. But Amar, if I was to ask you, what, what would you give moms out there who are raising teenage boys? What advice would you give them? Um, I would tell them just to talk to them as much as possible because um, like Alicia said, is as being a black man, you have to move different, which is wrong, which is, not okay because it's basically telling you to not to not be yourself because if you move as the uh, as the black person is portrayed, which they change the narrative, you can easily have your life taken in any type of uh, any type of context. So for the black mother, just be heavily involved in your black child's, especially your black boy's life, because mm. nobody other than us cares about us, and sometimes we don't even care about each other. So being that mother, you are the first, the last person that they're going to they want to come to. They're going to want to look for advice because they feel like you should always and want to be in their corner. Right. I love it. I love it. And, there's, and, and, and a lot of this, a lot of this that we're talking about, you guys, again, I'm going to have to, we, I'm going to re-listen to this and, and, and really have a part two that's going to break down the mental health aspect of this all. Um, Because Amar mentioned something as it relates to sometimes individuals don't even within a community don't care about each other, but why? Right? Why is that? Is it's, it's something, why, where does that stem from? So that's another, another episode that we can process. So in, in the last couple of minutes, mutual aid. Now I want every, everyone to understand being a frontliner, and this is specific to Anaya and Amar, um, and I have not been a part of not not even two percent of what um, 
Anaya has ex- has experienced. But even the little bit that I have been involved in, it's nerve wracking, man. It's like, look. Oh yes. It's, it's you know what I mean. So, so when you when you think of frontliners, and y'all correct me, tell me what I'm missing. You think about individuals out there protesting. I'm talking about day in, day out, sleeping outside of buildings, you know, to try to get some, 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 uh, someone to understand how systems are corrupt. Yeah. It's like, I mean, Anaya was outside of the department of education for how many days? Eight consecutive days, eight consecutive days for our children. Amar, you know, and I could, I I can even imagine, you know, there's videos that I'm, I'm like, yo, this is a lot. This is a lot. So they are out there. They're out there day in, day out, consistently. But there's a part of what they do that many don't understand and don't see, and that's mutual aid. So it's, it's, um, and it's really near and dear to the social worker in me. Um, so Anaya, what is mutual aid? Amar, what is mutual aid? And... Can in, anybody get involved in, in mutual aid? I'll let you start, Anaya, and then Amar, you can chime in. Um, yeah, so um, Amar, we could definitely tag team the definition, but mutual aid is um, f- firsthand work with the community. And like you said, this is the part of being a revolutionary that not a lot of people are going to see on the news, like Strategically, they're not going to cover it on um, media outlets because they want to paint out protesters and frontliners to be, you know, these loud, chaotic, violent people that are out there just making noise. But no, that's not it. And also, I feel like mutual aid is what differentiates people who are, quote unquote, frontliners for trends. Um, because there has been a trend being like a frontliner or a protester um, this past year. But people who are actually taking the time out to make relationships within the communities, making sure that individuals are taken care of, the unhoused population is accounted for, um, making sure those who are who don't have the means to take care of themselves, um, we're doing what we can as organizers, um, as activists, as abolitionists to do what we can to make up for what this system is lacking, which is representative people. So I'm going to take, I'm going to give it to you. So in my opinion, as being a revolutionary and activist, mutual aid is probably the most important to me. Like it it makes a difference being outside protesting and disrupting uh, the political scene and the status quo. Mm -hmm. But like I said, we all, we got in our community. So it's imperative that we are outside taking care of each other. So the, to tell somebody who never heard what mutual aid is, mutual aid is um, it's an action where we collectively are outside just to meet the needs of the community, basically giving them hot meals, uh, like tents for people who are in encampments. We offer them resources, food, money, books for education, and mutual aid is free. Right. Like we get donations and everything, but mutual aid is like a free act of love from us. Mm-hmm. And to get involved in mutual aid, you literally have to do nothing but come outside, get, get involved in your community. For love, that's all you gotta do. And and like Anaya said, like people just like the nar- the, uh, the narrative for activists is just looked at as we outside, we destroying stuff, we making 
we making noise, we looting. But when you look at it, black lives are getting looted every day. Right. So nobody, the government doesn't care about people in wards five, six, seven, and eight. Mm-hmm. So we got to go out there and make that difference for them. Yeah, man. Um, again, mutual aid, half of y'all probably more than half never even knew that this is what being a part of the movement is about, you know, and you heard what Amar said, it's free. They're not asking for nobody to give money. You know, you dig is like, it's coming right. out, it's coming out of individuals on the front. It's coming out of their pocket sometimes, you know what I mean? Um, so I think that that is an element that you have to understand and this is going to be a continued, continued um, dialogue and conversation. There definitely will be a part two where we're going to talk about the historical transition of accountability within our communities. I definitely want to process through definition of words. Um, you've heard whitewashed a lot um, during this dialogue. I wonder if you even know what that is and what that means. You know, So we're going to redefine and then define terms um, and not be afraid of them. I think in order for individuals to really understand, you can't be afraid of terms. You got to be able to really understand and not and not automatically have a notion within your mind about what is meant. There's a lot of tears that have been um, shared and a lot of blood that has been honestly um, just just shed when it comes down to where we are now. Um, as a people, historically. And I'm proud to say that we still have individuals that are out there fighting every single day. As a social worker, I'm, I'm proud as a black woman. I'm proud as a black mom. I'm proud. And um, those listeners, you need to also understand that there are people out there that's fighting for you, that have the heart for you, that don't get paid for this. You know, they don't get they don't get paid to do this. And and many of them put their lives on the line. And I'm going to stop because I feel like I'm about to start crying. It's not going to be that. It's not going to be that today. Um, <laughs> won't, won't be that today. But so in closing, I am going to give you guys 30 seconds to close out with whatever you want the listeners to hear Anaya. Yeah. So definitely honored to be a part of this podcast. Um, I would just charge anyone who's listening to listen again, (laughs) like really digest everything that's being said. And I would even charge to reach out, um, follow Shantae, my mother at Shantae.vines and DM her like if there's any questions or anything you want clarity on anything you would want to hear on the part two um we're here to serve y'all we're here to educate we're here to inspire um to advise to advocate on behalf of the listeners so with that being said make sure you um listen understand prep yourself for part two and if there's anything specifically you want us to touch on next time um don't be afraid to reach out. It's, it's us. We're a family at the end of the day. Thank you. Sakithia. I would just um, charge everyone to research community trauma. Um, I think that it's very important that we understand 
what is happening to us unconsciously. So we know what's going on on the surface. We see it on the news. We hear it on the radio. We see it down our timeline. But what are the things that are happening that are not in our faces? Symbolism, education, infrastructure. So that's what I would hope everyone does. Go, go use your Twitter fingers in Google. <laughs> that's what's up. Just Google. Yeah, just just research and and don't let this be the only time you hear that term. Right. Educate yourself and then get involved. Reach out to Anaya, reach out to to the brother. Um there's no reason why the conversation should end here. Alicia. I charge everyone who's listening to take this dialogue home with them. Meaning you were, we are privileged in this moment to have multi-generationals in this conversation. We have different age groups. We have different upbringings. And this is very unique. I encourage everyone to have this dialogue. You know, it, it is healthy to have the uncomfortable conversations. Because in those conversations, we are able to listen and to educate each other on our different narratives, our different perspectives. And, you know, at the end of the day, I always say, um, even if you don't understand, you can have empathy. You can show that you have empathy to what someone else is experiencing. It's a human, it's a human um, emotion. You know, it doesn't take much to show that you empathize with what another community is going through. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mar. Yeah, I'm charging everybody, especially the listeners, because you heard this, let this resonate with you well and educate yourself. Mm -hmm. um, also, get to understand who your community is before you, before you judge them. And if you are able to make a change, it's your obligation to do so. So just get up and get out there and make a difference in your community because it's still your community. That's right. That's right. I, I so appreciate everybody. I, I appreciate you, Amar. I really appreciate you, Sakithia, Naya, Alicia, as always. Um, I would I would just piggyback on what everybody has said. Um, and to my colleagues out there, to those seasoned social workers, to those seasoned therapists that have been in the field a long time, really, really listen to it again. You may not understand it. There may be things that you may not even agree with, but you got to respect it, and you have to have empathy for it, and you have to figure out what you can do within your own practice to understand community trauma. What is it that you can do, the knowledge that you need to have, the cultural competence, right? If you think about the competencies that we need to have as prof at, within this profession, right? How much time have you given to, to, the, um, to the understanding of community, racial, historical, intergenerational trauma. It, 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 there, and, there, and there probably is evidence-based models and practices, but they're very general, right? Um, so you got to do your own homework. Find out about it. Really try to have empathy for it. Ask questions. Know that it exists. Um, and it's imperative that we do so. Uh, for for our children, for our families, for those that we serve. We are ethically responsible 
to understand it. Put your biases aside. Put your feelings aside because it's not about you. It's about the communities that we serve. So, um, again, thank you guys so much. So, so much. Tune in. We're going to talk about part two. I appreciate all the listeners. Y'all already know what time it is. Follow me, Shantae.Vines, um, on IG. Y'all want to shout out your IGs? Yeah, Anaya.Vines. Is this going to, you'll be able to get the spelling or do I got to spell it? Um, if you follow me, and y'all, everything will be on there. Oh, okay. And on the flyer, so you'll be able to share okay, the flyer. Cool. Mar, you want to share? Uh, my IG and my Twitter is uh, Real Amar X, A-M-A-R-X. So and sad. listen to his music, y'all. He is talented. Shout out to his music. He always got new stuff dropping. Okay. That means I got to have you back because you know I'm doing, I'm doing a, an episode that's specific to coping through music through the arts so it's going to be music it's always going to be poetry it's going to be dope i'm really excited about it um because healing takes place in a lot of different ways definitely call me back that's what's up anything you want to anything at all and you are a business owner yes she is so you might want to go ahead and blow up she has y'all the best smelling candles you dig and it's straight from bronx from the bronx it is the best (laughs) so shout that out sakithia Yes, yeah, so you guys can um, check my website. It's com. You can just hit us up and we'll get those smell goods right to you. That's right. No more Target candles. No more, you know. You, oh, we, please don't. Don't, please do, don't do that. Don't support do the it. black business. That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> That's what's up. So until next time, thank you guys for listening. <laughs>